Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStepro from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review as well. And just a reminder, you can listen to the podcast on all podcast platforms. Uh, today we're going to chat about a couple of things. We got some news that broke today a little bit uh, in regards to a potential startup for the NHL season, the 2020-2021 season. Uh, and again, we got to figure this thing out. Are we going to be able to call it 2020-2021 or is it just flat out the 2021 season? Because based on what was said today, the start date that the NHL is hoping for is January 1st. And if that's the case then we have absolutely no affiliation with the year 2020 for this upcoming NHL season. And in my opinion, since 2020 has been such a shit show of a a year, let's just read it. And we'll just call it the 2021 NHL season. And it will be the first and only time in recent history, at least, that we've had a whole season. Well, that's a lie. We had the lockout season back in 2013. <laughs> but even then, it was called the 12-13 season, funny enough. But we'll just call it the 2021 season. Um, so we'll go through that news a little bit. And then also, uh, I-, I saw an article on The Score, which ranked the NHL's teams by playoff tiers. Right, So they take a- took a look at teams who are playoff Pretty much who they deem to be playoff teams and then rank them into tiers on being uh, non-threats to the Stanley Cup or Stanley Cup favorites. And then there's a couple of tiers in between. I'll share where the Leafs end up and if I think that's a good position for them or not. Uh, So we'll get into that as well. Uh, But let's get into this News from today where Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, came out and he said he's hoping to start by January 1st and end the season by the end of April and be back to a regular schedule for the start of the 2021-2022 season. Why this is so important for the NHL to make sure that they're back is because of the expansion. They have the Seattle Kraken coming in that season and they want to be able to get them into a full season. Hopefully, we will have fans by then. We don't know what next September is going to look like a year from now. It could be totally different. We could have a vaccine for COVID. Uh, We really just don't know. But the NHL does not want to prolong this and and scale it back over the course of a couple of seasons. It seems like they're willing to cut this year's season short so that they could start next year on time. And to me, that makes sense. I've been saying that forever. When you talk about starting a season in January 1st, it makes sense because the NHL has kind of done this before where they started mid-January. Not too long ago either. The 12-13 season, the lockout-shortened season where they played 48 games. I believe it was like early January, like January 5th or 6th or something like that, where they said, okay, yep, let's play. And they signed the new CBA and then they got going. And by mid-January, they were playing uh, they were playing hockey again. Why can't that happen this year? a 48 to to 60 game season you get rid of uh the bye weeks you get rid of the all-star game and you have a couple of extra more back-to-backs or a couple more you know three games in four nights type deal you condense it just a little bit just a little bit but you start Jan 1 and you end before the summer i don't think they want to be playing hockey in the summer because They're competing with a couple of things. 
And especially if you can't even allow full capacity of fans, now it comes down to, okay, well, how are the, how's the NHL going to make money? TV rights, right? That's how a majority of this money is made by the NHL. If you're not aware of that, most of the money in sports comes from ad dollars and TV rights and being able to sell their game to television networks to air it so that those networks can then go to their advertisers and get money from them to watch these games. That's basically the skinny about how uh, <laughs> the economics of pro sports and television networks work with synergy and in line with each other. But what's coming up this summer and why... It wouldn't be a good idea to keep it going is because you have the Olympics this summer. And they want to be done before the Olympics starts. More so than, I believe, you know, there's also the fact about the Seattle Kraken coming in, like I said earlier. But there's also this aspect where you have the Olympic Games that were pushed back from the 2020 Games to 2021 in Tokyo. And... You don't want to be having significant playoff games during the Olympics because you're not going to get any eyeballs. You're also not going to be able to get those games on here in Canada, at least. You're not going to get those games on CBC because CBC will be airing the Olympics. You're not going to get those on you know, NBC in the States because NBC is going to be airing the Olympics. So it's kind of problematic, and you, you're seeing this in the NBA too, where they're getting started December 22nd, and they want to be done before the Olympics as well. Right? The Olympics happens every four years. It's huge, huge. It's 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 multi-nation, uh, and, and it's must-watch TV for ev- everybody, not even sports fans, but everybody watches it because it just brings out a sense of nationalism and pride, and people love it. And especially after such a tough, tough year, Hopefully by next summer, things are starting to get back to normal just a little bit and people can kind of celebrate uh, with with friends and family while watching the Olympic Games. So there's a couple of reasons why I believe that they want to get it started by January 1st and have a shortened season. Uh, There's a couple other things that were noted in today's announcement by Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly and also uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman. So there is, where, where, where was it? Was this on NHL.com? Trying to figure out exactly where this was said. And it looks like it's on, on NHL.com. Uh, Nicholas J. Uh, Consonica, an NHL.com columnist, uh, came out, and this seems to be an interview with him from NHL.com with Gary Bettman. Uh, so basically, the other alter- the other thing that came along with the uh, return date of January 1st and hoping to be done by the summer was the idea of having uh, a division realignment and short-term hubs. I'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let me tell you guys about Built Go. It's the Built Bar's newest product. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's metal or a physical wall. Break through with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. 
Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power you through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's got three delicious flavors. You can get either peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, or chocolate mint. How's the Built Go work so well? Well, let me tell you, the Built Go combined energy gel with collagen protein and the collagen protein is fast absorbing so it gets into the system fast plus it's easy on the stomach collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health this stuff literally makes you look better visit bilkgo.com and use the promo code locked and you get 20% off your next order use promo code locked for 20% off bilkgo.com let's go Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Uh, so as I was saying just a moment ago, uh, Gary Bettman said on Tuesday in an article in a column with uh, Nicholas uh, Konsanika on NHL.com, discussing the possibility that the league has discussed using short-term hubs and temporary realigning the divisions to reduce travel amid the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so essentially what Bettman said is, quote, you'll play for 10 to 12 days. You'll play a bunch of games without traveling. You'll go back, go home for a week, be with your family. We'll have our testing protocols and uh, and the other things that you'll need. It's not going to be quite as effective as the bubble, but we think we can if we go this route, minimize the risks to the extent practical and sensible, or to the extent practical and sensible. And so that's one of the things that we're talking about. And I think the border is also an issue as well. Uh, and what he said about that, because there's a lot of conversation about recently about whether or not they're going to have this Canadian hub with, with a division realignment with all the Canadian teams. So when that was posed to him, he said, quote, obviously we're not going to move all seven Canadian franchises south of the 49th parallel, and so we will have to look at alternative ways to play. So it really does seem like this... Uh, this Canadian division could be a possibility. It could be. He added, as it relates to the travel issue, which is obviously the great unknown, we may have temporarily realigned to deal with the geography. And that may make sense because having some of our teams travel from Florida to California may not make sense. I think what he really wanted to say was having your teams travel from Toronto to California doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Heck, it might not make sense for Toronto to travel to Boston at this point. Certainly not into Tampa or Miami where they got a lot, a lot of COVID concerns going on in there. Now, again, all this could kind of get cleaned up as as the season progresses, but we're talking about January 1st. That's not that long away, guys. It really is not. So I think we could potentially see this Canadian division. I think that it's actually becoming, at this point, I think I would say it's more likely we see it than not. So 
what other type of division realignments are we going to see? And, and, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, actually. If you go back and find, uh, I, I did a rankings of the Canadian teams as if we were to do a, a, a division realignment and where Toronto stacks. I think I had Toronto as if the top team or second team. Uh, I, I believe the top team, actually, uh, in all of Canada. Um, and I still believe that to be the case. But uh, it it's certainly seems like that's more likely to happen now which I find really, really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, one other quick bit of news that I kind of wanted to chat about uh, just so quickly today. Uh, it's not so much Toronto news or Leafs news or NHL news for that matter, uh, but more so the fact of uh, some World Juniors news and for anybody who's uh, not a World Junior, or most of you guys, I assume, are World Juniors fans because you're listening to a hockey podcast. If you listen to a hockey podcast, you are a hockey crazed nut who goes out and seeks all of this stuff. So if you haven't heard uh, of Owen Power, he's a, def- a Canadian defenseman from Mississauga, Ontario, uh, kind of a local kid here in Toronto, who... Instead of playing in the OHL, he decided to to go down south and play in the NCAA, and he committed to the University of Michigan. So he's there currently in the University of Michigan of the Big Ten, and Hockey Canada wanted to bring Owen Power, who is uh, considered to potentially be a, a top prospect in this year's NHL draft, wanted to bring him over to be in Canada's World Junior Selection Camp. And unfortunately... Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And Hockey Canada sent out a statement on uh, Owen Power regarding the, the matter. And this is what it said. Quote, After ongoing discussions with the University of Michigan, Hockey Canada has been informed that Owen Power will not be released to participate in Canada's national junior team's sport check selection camp on November 16th. We understand this year's world juniors and selection camp are unique, but we... Uh, but we believe the chance to represent Canada is tremendous. Is a tremendous opportunity for any young player. Although we are disappointed Owen will not be able to join our team camp, we understand and respect the decision made by the University of Michigan. Well, don't speak for me, Hockey Canada, because I don't. I think that is a load of crap. Honestly, the fact that this head coach is not allowing Owen Power a young Canadian man to go and play for his country because he wants to be selfish and, and, and have him play during the season, during his season, when this happens all the time. This He's not the first player to leave his school, to leave his team, and go and play. That's happening all over the place. And Michigan's a good school. Michigan is a great school. They have plenty of hockey players. Quinn Hughes was a Michigan uh, Michigan man. Right, they had plenty, plenty of hockey players come through uh, Michigan. Good hockey school. Why is Owen Power not able to go and play? If this is on him and he doesn't want to, that's one thing. But when it says after ongoing discussions with the University of Michigan and he'll not be released to participate in Canada's team, that leads me to believe that that's not the case. And this was Michigan saying, sorry, you're not going anywhere. And probably said if you leave, your uh, your scholarship is going to be revoked. I don't know that, but I would assume if you know Power is not leaving, 
there was some sort of threat of discipline that would be placed upon him if he did decide to leave. I have an issue with this. I really do. Like, you look at an 18-year-old kid who they don't have an opportunity to represent their country all that often. Yeah, maybe he becomes one of the top players in the league, one of the top players at his position at some point, and, and, can, and can represent Canada elsewhere, whether it's the World Championships, maybe next year at the World Juniors, or potentially, you know, if, if he can make it, the Olympics. But really, when it's your first crack at a major international tournament, like the World Junior Championships, in your draft year, and they want to bring you into camp, and they say, no, we don't want to send them. That's gutless. Gutless. And if I were uh, Owen Power, I'd tell him to stuff it, take off, and go play the rest of the season in the OHL. Unfortunately, it sounds like the big reason why he wants to go play in the NCAA is because he actually wants to get an education, which good on him, really good on him, or at least a couple of seasons uh, of education. Plus, in my opinion, the NCAA is a a a, a class 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 uh, hockey league. Not to say that junior hockey's not, of course it is, but it's just it's it's a little different. I, I don't like it that he doesn't have the opportunity to go. It's an honor to be chosen to come out and even try out. Look, he was 18. He may not have even made the team. I think that was that that also went into it. They're probably saying, what are the odds that he's going to even make the team? And they said, probably low, but we want to get a look at him. They said, well, we're not going to send him and have him miss important games for no reason if he's not, doesn't have a good shot to make the team. And again, that could be the case for Michigan. But again, I believe that is a selfish, selfish thing to do to not allow Owen Power to go and play if he wanted to. If, if he wanted to. This should have been Owen's decision, not the coach. Owen's decision. And the fact that it's not, it bugs me. It really, really does bug me. All right, coming up on the other side, um, I was just kind of perusing the score earlier today, just looking for some, looking for some news, man. We're we are in the dead heat of the offseason right now. There are no trades, no signings, no nothing happening. So I was just looking for all right, what can we talk about today? What can we possibly talk about? And then that other stuff ended up breaking throughout the day. So I was like, okay, cool, we'll talk about that. But the first thing that I saw was uh, the score had ranked the NHL teams by playoff tiers. And and not all the teams, but the teams who they believe to be playoff teams. Uh, And when we come back, I'll talk about those teams and where the Leafs are slotted. Welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I am Mike DiStefano. Uh, and just a reminder that we have gone down to just three shows a week now. So three shows every single week. Uh, I'll be usually end up doing probably like a Monday, Tuesday, and then one either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. We'll see how I'm going to, how I'm going to do it. I might, it might be scattered throughout the week, just depending on my time, but you're guaranteed between Monday and Friday to get three shows out of me. Uh, all Leafs chat, all Leafs talk all the time as promised here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. Uh, and here's where we're going to get our Leafs chat for the day. 
so as I talked about before, um, this article is written by John Matisse, a uh, columnist at The Score, uh, and he's and it's entitled Ranking NHL Teams by Tiers, the November Top 17. So this would be kind of the top 17 teams that he believes to be the 17 teams that have a chance at all at uh, at, at making the playoffs and making a, a playoff run. So we'll start off at number, or we'll start off in the fourth tier where he has it labeled as moderately dangerous. So here he's got, uh, as the fourth tier, possible playoff teams unlikely to go on a deep run. So the first team he has is the Calgary Flames. I would potentially put them in a tier tier three because I think they made some really good additions, actually. Uh, And I could see them actually, you know, for these possible playoff teams, unlikely to go in a deep run. I think that they could go in a deep run. So I probably would put them in the third tier. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets, yep, I think they're properly slotted. The Vancouver Canucks, yeah, losing out on Markstrom, losing Tanev, Stetcher, Toffoli. They didn't add too, too much. They did replace Markstrom, obviously, with uh, Braden Holpe. But uh, offensively, they didn't, they didn't add to the team. They really only got some guys taken away. So they are probably slotted there properly. The Montreal Canadiens, yep, I think that this fourth tier for unlikely to make a run but could make the playoffs sounds about right. Uh, the Islanders, <laughs> I mean... Look, I talk about it all the time how I don't even have the Islanders as a playoff team and somehow they make it to a conference final. Doesn't make any sense to me. So the Islanders here, are. this is probably where I would project them as well at this point. The Flyers, I might put them down uh, into a third tier because I see the Flyers kind of ahead of these guys. Um, I like what the Flyers are doing and how they've created their team. I like their chances last year until... They kind of fell apart when they started playing uh, when they started playing Montreal, but they, they they you know kind of got it going at some point. So I probably would put them down one more tier. The Edmonton Oilers, yeah, unfortunately, probably you would hope that McDavid could eventually make a deep playoff run just so that we could watch some really good hockey late into uh, into a playoff run and see what he can do, see if he can light up the playoffs. All right, we've had our third tier. Scary at full potential. Cup win, not out of the question, though a lot must fall into place. So that's what this third tier is all about. And it kicks off with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's too high. Yeah, I would put the Penguins back a peg. Uh, I would put them behind Pittsburgh. And I would also have them behind... Who's the other team? I think I put Calgary. Yeah, I think I'd have him behind Pittsburgh and Calgary. I'd have him in my fourth tier. Uh, although they did do a lot of movement, I'm also not sold on Tristan Jari. That uh, remains to be seen. Um, and the Toronto Maple Leafs coming in right after Pittsburgh here in third tier for cup win, not out of the question, though a lot must fall into place. So that is where the Toronto Maple Leafs are slotted. <sighs> Yeah, I I probably agree with with where this is at. Um he cites that yes, the team got wiser, nastier and bigger by bringing in Thornton, Simmons, Bogosian 
and they're not going to be easy to play against. They added to their defensive core by by signing longtime flame D-man TJ Brody. And uh, he also notes that the revamped depth chart isn't markedly better or worse. It's just a little different. And I think I'd agree with that. I don't think it's worse. I don't think it's 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 that much better. But it is different, which I think is going to make it a little bit better, if that even makes any sense at all. <laughs> I just think that they added elements to their lineup, to the roster, that is going to pay off come playoff time. So that's that's where I, I see it. So uh, do I see them as a third-tier team? I guess we'll have to see who the rest of these guys are before I can say I would put them in second tier, but they'd be like on the cusp of being into that second tier. Uh, St. Louis, yeah, makes sense. Boston, I'm surprised Boston's, you know what? Yeah, without Tory Krug, Char, Char probably gone. Tuka Rask, who knows what's going on with Tuka Rask if he even decides he's going to finish out the season here. Who knows? Uh, Boston, yeah, I'd probably keep them there. Things would have to fall into place. A lot of their guys would have to step up. The the, the perfection line would have to play out of their minds. Charlie McAvoy is going to have to become their new de facto number one defenseman, and he's really going to have to become that guy that everybody thought he was going to be when he was a standout at the World Junior Championships. Another reason why Owen Power should be at the World Junior Championships because it allows us to kind of project what somebody like him could be in the future, just like we did with Charlie McAvoy and our excited to watch him as his uh, career kind of unfolds now just 22 years old and we're expecting him to already be a number one defenseman because he played so well at the championships uh, so the Boston Bruins yeah probably I would put them there Carolina Hurricanes I like this Hurricanes team uh, I may even put them in like a second tier I would say Washington Capitals that's interesting trying to think what do the capitals do this offseason they added justin schultz they added king henrik radko gudis is back um yeah probably i don't know if i would have them as favorites which is so the second tier is uh secondary cup favorites so elite battle tested teams with a few minor concerns i might put washington there to be honest I think I'd have Washington in the second tier as a secondary cup favorite. Uh, All right, Dallas coming through here as well. Yeah, I know that they made uh, a run to the cup final, but I don't know if they're, if I would consider them a favorite to come out of the West. Um, They had some things really go their way. I know that their goaltender was hurt, but their backup played out of his mind. But then when they came up against the Colorado Avalanche, they really got hurt with the backup goaltending position. And uh, uh, our good friend, uh, Michael Hutchinson, ended up having to start a few games against them, and, and it didn't quite go in Hutchie's way. And the Dallas Stars uh, ended up going on a bit of a run there. So uh, I think Dallas probably well-placed as not a cup favorite, I would say, as the things would have to go right, kind of like what happened last year where things had to go right. Uh, there had to be some injuries to opposing teams, and their goalie had to play out of their mind. And that's how they ended up going on a run, so I think they're properly placed there. And then we get to the second tier, so which is secondary cup favorite, an elite battle-tested team with few minor concerns. There's only one team, actually, that's in this. That's surprising. So there's one team, the Vegas Golden Knights. 
So after landing Alex Petrangelo, they traded out uh, Nate Schmidt and swapped him with Petrangelo. So to me, that makes him better. They did lose out on Paul Stastny. They shipped him back to Winnipeg. And I don't think they actually made any real pickups. I think they're expecting Cody Glass to kind of uh, pick his game up and slide into that role that Stastny had on the second line last year. So hopefully Cody Glass takes a step in his game this season uh, in his second full season in the NHL. And they're going to be going with a a 1A, 1B tandem with Fleury and Robin Leonard, it looks like. So, yeah, I, I, I totally, I think that they are, if not a cup favorite, secondary cup favorite, a heavy cup favorite. So I think what I would do actually here is I would probably put the Maple Leafs in this secondary cup favorite along with Washington as my second tier, and I would kick Vegas down into a heavy cup favorite in this first tier where there's three teams uh, or there's two teams, and and I would actually put Vegas in this third tier, which is star-studded, deep, uh, simply a cut above the rest, heavy cup favorites which is what I think the Golden Knights uh, should should also be classified as. So, But uh, John has the Colorado Avalanche, makes total sense, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, your defending cup champions. So, yeah, this 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 is pretty good. Pretty good rankings, I would say. I think other than moving Vegas into the cup favorites, and then I would also move Washington and Toronto into secondary cup favorites, and then I would probably slide Pittsburgh uh, out into... Uh, swap Pittsburgh and Philadelphia from the fourth to the third tier. Outside of that, I think I agree with most of them. Not bad. Let me know what you guys think. Do you think Toronto's properly slotted here as a scary at full potential a cup win, not at a question, though a lot must fall into place type of tier, or do you think they are a legitimate elite battle-tested team with few minor concerns and a secondary cup favorite. Those few minor concerns being, will their depth hold up? Will their defense hold up? And will Freddie Anderson win a big game? I think that's the few minor concerns that we have for Toronto. Other than that, they're elite. I think the additions they made are battled, would make them a battle-tested team, definitely tougher to play against. And then there are a few minor concerns. So that's where I'd have them slotted at. Let me know at Mickey underscore Canuck or at Locked on Leafs where you'd have them slotted in at. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today on the show. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Uh, it's going to be uh, three times a week actually now. So not quite daily. Three times a week. Follow myself at Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked on NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked on hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. Also, check out the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. we got the NBA Draft coming up, uh, uh, what, next week on the 18th, I believe? Uh, yeah, November 18th. And so, so check that out, a brand-new Locked On show that just launched uh, this week. So the upcoming week is going to be a big, big week for the Locked On, uh, Locked on Podcast Network and, and the debut of the Locked On NBA Draft will be coming out. Uh, so check that out as well. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.